This is Rugga Matrix America. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. And for the first time in three shows, we have everybody on with me. This is Alex Goff from, well, we'll find out what I'm from later on. But uh, Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean are back on the show. And uh, guys, it's been a very long time. Uh, how are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm enjoying the summer. I'm um, enjoying a little time off of rugby that I've gotten um, in terms of my, my high school and club uh, duties. Um, trying to get re-energized. Your, your time off from rugby, but you didn't you just have a some kind of club meeting that went on for, for like the entire day? Well, right. The off-season is, uh, yeah. is never quite the off-season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your... Uh... It's your AGM and it's your organizational meetings. Those, those are the things that always drove me crazy. Um, and Bruce, we were just talking about organizational meetings driving you crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, I just don't like to go in person. But I'll be at the CRC, at the, uh, at the ACRC organizational meeting, only because I, I it's a 9.30 at night meeting because that's when Kutztown plays. And then I have to be back to take my daughter to a play and it's going to be planes, trains and automobiles for me, mostly automobiles on autopilot. So it'll be all right, but it's very exciting. I'm excited for the ACRC and it's going to be fun. And the PRP, whatever the hell is these, all these crazy acronyms. There's an R in it. We know that we know there's an R in it no matter what. The CRC. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, the Rugged Matrix America show is sponsored in part by Irish Rugby Tours. Don't you think it's time your team went on a tour? Forget about all those something RCs and just go to Ireland and play some rugby. That would be great. Uh, we've got a lot to, to talk about. We, we've been uh, – took a break sort of where I did a couple of interviews on age-grade stuff. So we've sort of put that to bed for a while. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff on, on the higher levels um, – and and we were talking about the ACRC, so let's talk about college first. Um, the college season is over. We saw a D1A final. We saw a Varsity Cup final. Uh, we had a big discussion. Pat, you and I had a big discussion about rankings and who to rank where and things like that. And we ended up going with St. Mary's uh, as number one. I didn't get too much hate mail from that. I don't know how much hate mail you got, but I didn't get I didn't get a lot. You know, I didn't get any. A lot of it was preemptive. Um, you know, we saw some some BYU arguments throughout the year, but I don't think anybody was too shocked by by them at the end of the day. And I, you know, honestly, I feel like our reasoning was about as good as you can have for two teams that played one and one. You know, played two games and split them against each other, and then played in two separate playoffs. So, at the end of the day, it's, it was splitting hairs, and uh, that's what we did. And I think we did about, about as good a job as we could have. The one thing I'd say about this kind of ranking thing is if if in defending your team or defending the interests of your team, you want to say something about, say, well, we played that game at altitude or that was early in the season or we didn't have our best player or this thing, you've got to remember that the other team had stuff like that happen as well. And it's really easy to forget that um, and, and, and gloss over the fact that um, you know, we might have played this men's club, but they didn't play all their best players. But we forgot about that because we 
that doesn't that doesn't fit into our narrative. So remember that the other team has a lot of those same stories. Well, I will say one thing in defense of the rankings that we've been doing together for the last however many times we've been doing them. That in at the sacrifice of sounding uh, a little arrogant here, I, there's nobody who does rankings better than us. There are people that have, but nobody puts in more effort or time. And yeah, we make mistakes there are times when we miss a result, and somebody should have been ranked higher. But we generally go back and correct those and are transparent about those mistakes that we make. Um, but show me somebody who does a better job ranking than us. Um, I don't think there is anybody out there that does. And it was a great it was a great year. And and the the fact that we we had St. Mary's and Life and BYU and Cal all in the conversation over time and and I think in the in the end the results you know the the results came out so that was uh, that was a that was a great thing and and Bruce your opinion I know you have people you know throughout the college arena and especially you know people at St. Mary's things like that I mean would you agree would you agree St. Mary's was the number one team yeah I definitely agree that St. Mary's was the number one team this year based on the fact that St. Mary's played a tougher schedule than BYU and only lost to BYU on the road and beat them at home in a massive upset at home and and then they, they backed it up. They beat everybody that there was to beat. I, I believe they beat Golden Gate. Uh, I don't know yep. if they played Olympic Club. They Yes, they beat they, Olympic uh, Club. You know, they, they beat everybody and their brother. And they beat Cal. They, they destroyed Cal. And they beat life relatively comfortably when it comes down to it. They, did, they didn't even play that well, and they beat life well, relatively comfortably. And they beat um, and they beat Lindenwood badly. So they were, to me, the number one team in the country, hands down. There, there's certainly an argument for BYU, but the, um, you know, the, the rigor of the Varsity Cup is not nearly the rigor that St. Mary's went through. And you know, I, I don't think that people would have thought that a year or two ago, but the reality is... It wasn't. Well, it's not life really and life and BYU, life and Cat, life and St. Mary's and Lindenwood and and some of those other teams are are, are more rigorous competition than the Varsity Cup. St. Mary's, yeah, they did Lindenwood, and I'll have to go ahead and back this up because Lindenwood is one of the best teams in the country um, by far. It, it, that is an astonishing result to me. I actually have talked to the Linwood coaches about it and what happened, and I know that they were down and they made massive subs at halftime based on some attitude stuff that was going on. I'm not going to make any excuses for them, but I think if you look at their results against life throughout the year um, and then look at the, the life versus St. Mary's game, um, Linwood is a lot better than the final result of what happened, and that's just an extra credit to St. Mary's. But um, I was what I was going to cut you off on was – I, it's not necessarily the Varsity Cup versus uh, D1A in terms of which one was tougher for you know St. Mary's or for Cal for me. It was or St. Mary's or for BYU for me. It was all the things that St. Mary's went out of their way to do in the regular season. Went out of their way to play a home and home with BYU. Obviously, they continue to play Cal. They play every top level men's club they can find. 
So that really, to me, is where the biggest credit goes to for St. Mary's is they, they didn't seemingly turn anybody away, and they beat them throughout the regular season. And, and they beat them, yeah. I think I said that without saying it. I mean, maybe maybe I wasn't clear about. It. I, 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 maybe I wasn't clear in in what I was saying. But St. Mary's had a more rigorous schedule, and and Lindenwood was a fantastic team. And if you look at the highlight film of the Lindenwood versus St. Mary's game, a lot of it was opportunism, and Lindenwood just you know hung their heads and prayed for God's blessing, and St. Mary was really looking over St. Mary's, not Lindenwood. And, and they got massacred. And it, and, and, and the fact is, it is a, it is a tribute to St. Mary's. It's a tribute to life. The fact that they went out and played so tough after having, they had to travel across the country and they still played tough. I, I thought that it was a, it was a pretty good, it, it was pretty impressive on all accounts there. Arkansas State you know, can't I, take anything away from them either. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think I really hope that we're in a situation where this is the situation now every year, that we have three or four or five teams. Yeah, somebody's going to suddenly have a great year where we say they're number one and there's no doubt and there's no debate. But we we could be in a situation now where we do have four, five, six teams who every year you say, well – um, they could be number one at the end of the year, not just one or two. And, uh, you know, that's great. And, and you know, we talked about that. We talked about Cal and BYU and who's going to go up to that level. We figured life would. That's fine. And Arkansas State sort of quasi-varsity. And then St. Mary's said, hey, you know, we're just a bunch – we're a bunch of regular students who uh, work really hard to play rugby. And we, you know, fantastically well coached and they work hard. And, and there's still a place for that. Um, I, think they, I don't think, I think people realize like, how hard they work. I think they're all like yeah, that. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. the ACRC kind of, we, we, we took a look at a lot of these things. And what we're going to do is have a BCS system. And while it'll be imperfect, we're not going to have the $50,000 blowout game or $30,000 blowout game. So what's going to happen is it, it's conference champions are going to, are going to play and it's going to be BCS and it's going to be, you know, a vote as to who are the best teams and the two top teams are going to play each other. And that's going to be how it goes. And we may get it wrong, but we've seen, you know, you've seen massive blowouts where Texas went up to Notre Dame, spent $20,000 on the low end and blew them out and then went and got blown out spending another 20 grand. So we're, we're really excited about what's going on in the ACRC, and, and it could be – I just think that rugby follows football a lot better than it follows basketball, and we're trying to follow a basketball model, and then everybody gets a, everybody gets a trophy model. And the fact of the matter is you've got to win when you're, when you're conference, and then you and, – and make sure your conference is tough and have some tough outside competition – and then you can play for a national championship, and I think that's the that's the way to go. And it's going to be a it's going to be definitely a, a weird situation going forward because of the whole fall spring thing. And you know the East Coast teams really there was 16 feet of snow on the sidelines and the rear of 
I own a college and it got plowed out in, in mid April. So you, you don't know when you can play. And then all those games in the West, they got snowed out. I don't know why they would want to play in the spring anymore. And I, I think that things are going to have to really circle around as to teams have to do what's best for themselves. I certainly don't, don't think that the other teams need to kowtow to us, but it's been 30 years, 35 years of East Coast teams doing whatever the West Coast teams wanted, and it's 35 years of regression, and we're really we're significantly worse than them. We, we are not in their class by any stretch of the imagination, and the only way to get there is to play a very competitive fall season in the time when we have the proper weather to do it. Whether or not they choose to play us or not, that's their own prerogative. But there's more of us than them. And, and you know, we have to do what's best for us. They've done what's best for them for a while. And, it, and it's really been to the detriment of us and, and of rugby. And uh, so I think that... So what's, the, so, what's the, so what's the deal there now is that would you say a majority of the teams are playing in the fall now with the ACRC? I, I would are say. We, have we gotten a, to it a majority? It's a majority of the teams, but to, but just because it's a majority of the teams, it's not nearly a majority of the quality. If you were to look at, say, the ACRC versus um, D1A, which a lot of the teams are in D1A anyway, it, it just – based on SIP and all that other stuff. It's not necessarily that they're competing in it. The the quality of the teams, like and at the top teams, and I'm talking about um, St. Mary's and and uh, I would even throw Central Florida into that and, and Life and I think Life and Arkansas State and, and Lindenwood are gonna play in, in the ACRC, but that's not totally confirmed yet. Um but you know, those teams are significantly better than the teams in the East in general. It's not even, you're not even talking about the same game. Now, in order for us to get ourselves into that realm or into that stratosphere, we're going to need to work very, very hard and play games and play very hard games. And you can't do it if it's just you know, crappy-ass rugby in 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 mud and, and freezing cold weather because nobody's excited about it. Haven't, haven't Lindenwood and Davenport bucked a little bit of that excuse for the the Penn State's, AIC's, Wheeling Jesuits, you know, armies? Haven't they bucked a little bit of that by the success? Well, I mean, I mean yeah, maybe they, maybe they bucked. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they bucked it. I mean, Davenport lost. Davenport was 0-6 and got a home game in the playoffs. That's kind of a – that's kind of dodgy. Um, you know, Davenport that, that shows – it. Davenport also lost, you know – I understand who Davenport – I understand who Davenport lost to. Vanderbilt loses to good teams too in football. No, no, no. I'm and saying every team, every team in a good conference loses oh. to good teams. I, that, that, irrelevant. They were 0-6 and had a home game in the playoffs. I don't care who who they lost to. And then they you beat Army. I understand they beat Army. Army's not that good of a team. I was, by the way, I 
I was trying to get out the name JP Eloff as who they lost, not referring to who they lost to. Oh, yeah. No, I'm look, what I'm what I'm saying is, yes, they have they bucked the trend? Yeah, they bucked the trend good enough that Davenport lost to Lindenwood by thirty and Lindenwood lost to St. Mary's by seventy, which means Davenport's a hundred points worse than St. Mary's. Yeah, but I could go back and, and Army's hundred and two points worse. And Penn State lost by a hundred to Cal and you know, so did Dartmouth, and th- these are teams that are in the same realm of, of ability. They're 100 points worse. And Davenport lost by Maybe a try. Hold on, listen, hear me out. Davenport lost by a try at Arkansas State. So if you're going to use that transitive scoring system, you can't just be 100. You have to take them all. Uh, you know what? I'm not I'm, – uh, then, hey, Pat, all I'm saying is that St. Mary's and, and Life and Arkansas State are – and Cal and BYU are significantly better than the rest of the teams. Yes, that's so all I'm saying. saying this. And listen, I'm, all I'm saying, and Alex, I'd like to hear what you have to say on it because I know we've talked about it. Because there's a certain yep. person in the East who made it seem like they would have 37 national championship trophies in their case if only they played fall rugby. That there are other reasons other than just the fall spring issue as to why there are oh. a lot of national championship trophies at other places in the country than the Northeast hey, Court. Hey, look, the bottom line is the one team that did make it different is New York Athletic Club. So, I mean, I would be able to say that in a in a in a way stronger way. Yeah, you know, way it's, see, it's, there's that there's competitiveness. Well, there's competitiveness and there's just making it fun. And even at the highest level, I think rugby should be fun and should be fun to play. So if it's not who would win or who necessarily would get a championship if the, the seasons were different. It's also about just what's enjoyable, what's fun for the players. And I don't think it's fun for a lot of players to go slogging through the, the fall do their off-season workouts and then come back. And by the time March rolls around, I mean, they're sick of it or they're burned out or they're tired of it. They're still college students. So I just don't think it's really fun. Does that mean that uh, you know, if we played all the way just uh, August to November that Dartmouth would win a national championship? I don't know, maybe, but they wouldn't necessarily. The point is that for the totality of all those teams and all those coaches and all those players, it is more fun to perhaps have a concise season. And you ask anybody in California, and they talk about that. They say, you know, we get started in December. We go into January, and, and, and really, February we hit pretty hard. March we hit pretty hard. The weather's great. We have our athletic progression. We, we peak at the right time, and then we're done. Well, good for you. That's wonderful. We're very happy for you. But it's not like that in a lot of the other places in the country. So what we're doing is we're making kids play throughout the entire year, you know, a two, a, a two almost three-season sport. That's where I think it undercuts. It's not about who wins a national championship. It's about everybody. I think everybody just needs to do what they think is best. And, and I think everyone's been doing that. I mean, there's the Varsity Cup teams that want to play a, a four-game tournament. Then there's the, you know, the D1A teams that want to play, you know, the different little conferences and, and have playoffs and 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 sometimes that gets a little political. And then there's the ACRC that is going to play conferences that is going to have a champion that probably can be disputed virtually every year. And 
and we're going to have to celebrate conference champions. I, there's just not a lot of money in it. And in order for us to spend all this money, it's crazy. And that's why we're doing it. We're trying to be fiscally responsible without without saying, hey, everybody gets a trophy. Because then what happens is everybody wants to play the easy games, getting up into the final. They're willing to get killed. They just don't want to get killed early. So then it becomes a who-you-know process. And the fact is the two best teams played in the Varsity Cup, the two best teams played in D1A, and even in the ACRC last year, the two best teams played. And that's just how it goes. The two best teams are always going to be there. So you may as well just eliminate, cut it to the cut to the chase and get to those two best teams. Until, if, if everybody was all together, then we're looking at, there are teams, there is a tier one of rugby teams in college rugby, and that's Life, Arkansas State, St. Mary's, um, Cal Berkeley, and BYU. There is a tier two of, say, Lindenwood, Navy, Kutztown, you know, maybe Central, and, and or Utah or something. But and then there's a tier three that's below that, and then there's then there's everybody else, and and everybody else is relatively even. You know, they can win on a given day, but that those everybody else's you're one or two players from being way better than everybody in that rack in that bracket. So, I mean, are we going to have a false playoff of 8 million teams doing things and, and having these massive blowouts and massive money for essentially no reason, no crowd, no TV. And I am not, I'm just being realistic. Well, you, it's, being... it's this is this is something that I complained about a lot of times, which is because nobody follows the sport really. You can you can say whatever you want to your local people, and you can say, "Well, we we made the playoffs last year," and they're like, "Oh, great!" Now it turned out you only had to finish three and five to make the playoffs, but you made the playoffs. Oh, that's wonderful! They're, because nobody notices that kind of stuff, and that's what it comes down to. Is there's there's partly that that desire to be able to just say you're a playoff team. Um, I want to I want to switch gears here because I think and we, I, I, I want to also say right, that like we, you know we, Lindenwood did I mean sorry Davenport okay. had a had a home playoff game against Army Army didn't even have a game yeah so that was even so you want to talk about a dodgy a, a dodgy zero and six home playoff host it was like a dodgy playoff team that didn't even have a game they they didn't they weren't they had a zero and zero record going into the you know the top twelve in the country. Well, no, they, they went on a tour of Texas and played a few games. No, no, but that's a still – they had a 0-0 zero and zero record. Going on a tour to Texas and playing a few games isn't a record. They didn't play a conference. They, they forfeited their whole conference season. Yeah, they they didn't play league. So so let's, let's go to something that is also about uh, 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 dodgy invitations. Let's talk about that. It also speaks to the weird college – uh, season, and we're recording this show before the CRC plays, so it's probably going to come out around the time the CRC plays. So um, we won't talk about results, but the CRC and and Pat, you've talked about this, but the CR the CRC played in June, 
USA Rugby is holding their national championship in national sevens college championship in December. We don't really do anything in the middle except we have a whole bunch of different tournaments all through the fall and also in the spring. Um, it's great that they're playing sevens, but is it all a complete mess? And uh, so, so Pat, is it all a complete mess? And then, and then Bruce, you can tell us what ACRC thinks about it. Well, it is a complete mess. I, I think that you know, there's been some talks about moving the the um, USA Rugby Championship to the spring as well. Um, so if you do that for for a lot of the teams in the country, like uh, those Eastern halves, the ACRC teams, it makes a lot of sense. Your sevens begins basically at the at the at the LVI um, in in February, and it ends with the CRC if you're lucky enough to be involved in it. And if not, maybe it earn, it ends with the ACRC sevens championship or Surfside sevens or whatever, you know, it seems to be a little bit of branding confusion there. And you've got a, all sorts of series and stuff throughout the country happening between there. And, and then you've got a pretty good, solid set of seven seasons. It's still, a, 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 you know, a huge mess for those teams that want to play spring 15s and spring sevens because especially if USA Rugby moves their sevens to the spring, like is being talked about, um, they don't really have anything to go for in the fall for, for their sevens. Um, so they don't really ever get a true seven season for for those teams. So it, it'll make a lot of sense for for one group and not necessarily the other. What's the ACRC gonna do? The AC, I mean, the ACRC yeah. is is they're gonna play sevens in the spring in general. Does mean that Bruce McLean's Iona team is gonna play a ton of sevens in the spring? It just means that the ACRC is gonna play it, and they're gonna have. The, the final tournament will be at the ACRC. It, it's the Surfside Sevens. I don't know how Ciano is going to brand it. Ciano owns the tournament. So Ciano owns the ACRC Sevens tournament. And and him and Biddy Boyle, the Surfside Sevens guys, are completely in charge and they're able to make whatever money they are able to make out of it from you know commercial viability or whatever. Because we don't have the we don't have the wherewithal to put all that together, and so instead of sitting there and haggling over nonsense, they own it. It's it's there. It's a it's a commercial venue venture, on not unlike the CRC, and they have the capability of hosting up to 128 teams. So they'll basically take anyone and they'll just play straight knockouts, and you could go all the way down and have a champion over two days and have champions and everything. They have the ability to do that and they have the wherewithal to make that happen and do it the right way. And they've, and they've laid out a plan to do it. The city, Virginia beach has been, has been really good with that. And so that's what they're going to do in terms of sevens. Um, and I, you know, I, I think what Pat said is, Starting in the LVI and having teams or or conferences or, or organizations or even groups of teams having sevens tournaments and and then ranking yourselves and and playing that's how the ACRC is going to do it. They're just going to rank teams based on tournament results and then they're going to try to rank everybody one to sixty four and and sixty four is what they would look at as a realistic number but they can do up to 128 and 
and that that'll be great. But it's a straight knockout. Seven's like nine ball pool. I mean, any, anything can happen. And so I I think that the USA Rugby. I mean, if they want to get into the business of sevens, the CRC has a a pretty big and prestigious and and televised event. So that is the main thing, even for the ACRC teams. I think that's the main thing for a lot of teams, and and some teams aren't aren't able to get into it, like a St. Mary's who is is not considered a. You know, St. Mary's isn't 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 a big enough school, though Drexel is, and and but that's just how it is, and so you know, so the CRC is flawed, but it still has some great teams in it. The the ACRC is flawed, but it has some great teams in it. The LVI is flawed, and USA Rugby can try to bring it all together, but no matter how they try, they're going to be in conflict. With the Varsity Cup and D1A, so USA Rugby U- and USA Rugby's is flawed too. They they I don't know why they fell into the same issue of inviting teams that uh, would invite uh, criticism for the the level of competition. The level of competition in USA Rugby's tournament um, from the top to the bottom was had a greater disparity than did the CRC, and that's that's saying something. But but at the end, like the but but the final four at least yeah the final maybe four not, is great. maybe not maybe not um whatever year whatever year uh, whatever year Holder graduated from college I remember watching the sevens championship and it was uh and it was pretty good yeah it was pretty good so, so I mean but, when when but, life in Arkansas State played it well yeah I think life yeah, in Arkansas yeah. State or St Mary's and you know, life was pretty good. Arkansas State was really good. Life was pretty good. They didn't have enough wheels. St. Mary's fell apart and Delaware fell apart. But they were pretty good teams. And, you know, and the, but they didn't so, have the, So the thing good. is, do do we need a big old season? Or do we need three weeks? Or do we need, you know, a couple of weeks or something like that rather than a big old season of sevens? Because last... You know, you you talk to a lot of teams who said, you know, I don't know if we're gonna, we're not gonna do that big long fall of sevens because it just wears us out. Um, I have a I have a one thing on sevens. This is my my biggest problem with sevens is that some of these tournaments are done over the course of one day and there's six games in them, and that I think is irresponsible to the players in terms of their welfare, and then they have you know, four or five of these in a row, sometimes six. And if you're, you're better off playing the international sevens plays three games in a day and then three games in the following day, you could have a smaller tournament and just play three games in a day. And I think that keeping your players fresh and keeping them healthy is pretty important. And then you could build, you can have local regional tournaments and then have those champions play each other and the second place is played. And then eventually you get to the tournament where you – or do it over the course of two days. I just don't think it's it's particularly smart to play these tournaments where there's six games in a day, five games in a day. I, I don't see it as good, especially in the fall and the cold when it's, you know, 28 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning – 
and then it gets up to 38 if you're lucky, and then it goes back to 28 when it's when the tournament's over. I don't see that as anything sensible, and and those things have to stop. It's the same as the two day, you know, men's club championships and all these two day things. It's, it's you know at least a, you know two day sevens is is standard operating procedure. One day, one game in six six games and one day is crazy. You know what people should do is they should go on a tour. They should call Irish Rugby Tours and uh, set up a tour and and put their uh, money into a, a valuable cultural experience that also gets them, you know, three games in the space of ten days. That's what I think they should do. Uh, we should uh, change gears a little bit. I think um, they'll get smashed. I, I think that they'll get hit harder in the bar on the Irish cultural. Well, tour. that's, that's yeah, true. There the is game. a lot of culture. Uh, just a quick uh, personal update. Uh, if you want to check on what's going on with me, uh, Alex Goff, check out at Goff on Rugby on Twitter, also on Facebook. Uh, I will, uh, when when this show comes out, I will have uh, worked my last day at Rugby Mag and uh, RugbyMag.com. And uh, Pat, uh, you're still there. We're still buddies, so that's good. Um, and uh, check out to see what I've got next. Um, but it, it's not awkward at all, is it? <laughs> rugby today, Alex, get it right. Rugby today, rugby today. That's right. It's okay. So I'm not at Rugby Mag, and I'm not at Rugby Today either. And Rugby Today is what Rugby Mag is shifting to. Is that right? I should. That's that, and and big news there. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be uh, it'll be exciting. Um, one last thing. Let's talk about the men's national team because the men's national team is getting together, getting ready to play uh, three games in June. They're going to be playing Scotland. And they'll also be playing. Uh, they'll be playing Scotland in Houston. They'll be playing Canada in Sacramento, and they'll be playing Japan at my Japan. least favorite and 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 my least favorite stadium, StubHub Center in Carson, California. Uh, we've got a we've got a camp that they're uh, they're in right now. And guys, um, this is this is a camp where. Mike Tolkien is looking at a bunch of players. Um, one or two overseas pros are, are taking a, uh, a rest, but not really, not really anyone sort of, no one's sort of missing the camp, but we're expecting they take a rest a little bit later. Uh, and, and I know that he's looking for a couple of spots uh, you know, to, to fill. Uh, Toby Lestrange having um, injured himself would be the big ones, what to do about um, fly half because we were in a situation where he had lots of fly halves and suddenly he started to worry about them and and uh, uh, things like that. So, um, Pat Clifton, tell me what you think of this list. Uh, obviously, he's looking at some young guys. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not going to crawl inside of Mike's head too far, but I think some of the the nods to some of the young guys. Ben Pickle means a fine not a fine enough player, but I think Mike Tolkien knows before he comes into camp that. He doesn't have any shot in heck of making the team. I think that what Mike is partially doing is, um, uh, you know, giving a nod to some of the traditional player pathway. So um, all Americans, that's a traditional player pathway. Garrett Brewer, you come in. Um, 20, that's a player pathway. Ben Pinkelman, you come in. PRP, that's a pathway. Well, Chad London, maybe you come back for this one. And maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I don't really think that a lot of the positional battles um, – are going to be battles where the young guys are going to factor in a whole lot. The one that kind of 
bring and tell me where I'm missing something here is the scrum half one. You know, I think Nate Oxberg is a very worthy selection to bring into camp. Um, he's a very hardworking guy, has all the athletic tools, um, you know, could potentially be Mike Petrie's replacement someday. But where's Sean Davies? That's an excellent question. I mean, you know, Robbie Shaw's not there because I, I think I think Robbie Shaw is an older player and um you know, Mike Tolkien would want to see someone, you know, pat you know, set up someone younger. He likes uh Shalom Suniula quite a lot and Shalom can play nine and ten, which is interesting, and Nate Augsburg, interesting. But yeah, why not Sean Davies? Sean Davies seems to have been uh, an informed guy. Um Bruce, any thoughts on that? Um, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't know enough about what how that selection got made, and and I don't. I I guess that they're not happy with. Not not. I'm not going to say they're not happy. I don't think that they see Sean Davies as factoring into the World Cup. And because of that, they're just looking at other options. I don't. That's the only thing I can think of, because there really isn't anybody else out there that has proven anything at any level. So, I mean, the, the scrum half situation is isn't great, and you know, you look at the fly half situation. You know, you'd say, like, Holder got capped a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was, a year ago, I guess. Three years and ago. Two years ago? Yeah, it was the summer of 2012. Yeah, whenever we went on our on our planes, trains, and automobiles trip. But, uh... You, me, and Toby singing in the car. Yeah, man, me, you, and Toby chilling out. Um, same hotel room, naked Pat. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Enough said. But, but anyway, we... Uh, we would, um, I, you know, Will being back in the fold, you would think that he would have gotten it. And, and Volney Rouse is, has won four national championships and isn't getting the nod at all. And again, like I said, I just don't see that they must not feel that they, they play a role or that they're going to have any role going into the World Cup. And that could be the only reason for it. Because there's a lot of people going into camp. There's 40 people going into a camp. They really only have a few days in camp before they have to go to Houston. Because it, it's on May 31st or May 29th they get there. So, you know, figure May 30th they can start. 30, 31, one, you know, they, four or five days where they can practice. Then they go down to Houston, do a couple press things, have a couple practices, do their things and play. I would imagine that they got to get pretty prepared for the game, and it can't be much of a trial. And then they're then they're into a three week tour, so you got to kind of know who your team is. And knowing Mike and 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 the coaching staff, I would imagine that they do know who their team is. I, they haven't shared it with me, nor have I asked. But so well, I don't could, know what they're the, the, well, but you're, I think you're, what you're both saying in a way, we could figure it out. We could sit there and we could pick twenty players we know will be on the team right now. Yeah, close. To and it. and and you know there are a couple of questions here and there. I don't know if they're going to go here. Then I don't know if they're going to go with that guy over here. All right, fine. And um, 
uh, there are a few guys who just have no shot unless someone gets hurt. And that's okay. I mean, that's just sort of the way things are, right? I mean, that, that, well, that I think that what they're going to do is, I think that what they're going to do is, they're going to take a look at these guys, you know, the 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 fringe players or or people who are new into it, and I think they're going to see how quickly they pick up information, how strong they are relative to everybody else, how well they do scrummaging, how well they do in lineouts, how well they do in contact area stuff and how quickly they pick up the defensive strategies and, and, and how well they tackle in comparison to everybody else. And if a guy really stands out, then he's going to have a shot to make it. If he doesn't, and you know, it's just, everybody's kind of going with the flow and everybody's kind of the same. They may say, yeah, these guys are good, but they're not ready for now. So if anybody's going to make it or make a, a stand or make a play for something, I think they're going to have to come out and some of the younger guys or some of the newer guys or some of the guys who haven't been there are going to have to make a statement without being it, – it, it, it's a weird thing because you got to make a statement without being what we would call the practice hero. The guy who goes a hundred percent when everybody else is going sixty percent. Yeah, don't you hate that guy? That's so annoying. Yeah, right, actually, so, coaches, coaches hate him a lot more than players. Yeah. <laughs> what about what about the guys? Okay, is there a guy that you think can can jump into the inner sanctum right now? Somebody who's somewhat on the outside. There aren't a lot of people who are somewhat on the outside. But but I I mean I'll, I'll I'll pick one and maybe I'll steal one from you guys but I'll pick one and that will be Brett Thompson has a shot to get a look at wing and 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 kind of this is one of the he's one of the players where I think he actually could be trying out to make the team for June is Brett Thompson yeah that's one of the two guys that jumped to my mind um, he definitely has every physical tool you want. I mean, he's a mismatch for, you know, the vast majority of wings he's going to go against. He's got experience. He's a professional. So yeah, I, I think that that's, that's true. I, you know, I wonder how much it, it weighs in, in Mike's decision or the coaching staff's decision. Um, you know, the fact that he's a, a regular cog in the sevens team too, and that you've got, it's not like if you don't pick Brett, you've got no wings. This is a pretty deep winging group. Um, and he's really the only one that gives you any conflict with the sevens team. So d- does that weigh into it at all? I don't know. He's got I think he's got a, he's got a good relationship with uh, Matt Hawkins, I think in general. So, uh, you know, having some sevens guys is not terrible, but it does come down to a bit of a negotiation at times. So, yeah, that's a good point. He's got good height. You know, good height. He's got good pace. He's got good size. He's a powerful runner. He's also a grown-up. I mean, I think. I you know. I think. I think sometimes it's the uh, the maturity level, right? Um, and and I think that Brett Thompson has, you know, he's just a mature guy. I guess the one thing you could come up with um, eventually is that he doesn't have a lot of that back three experience. You know, he, I don't know that he ever played wing at Arizona, but even if he did, it's it's a different level. 
um, you know, playing back three in the 15s game, you know, the rugby IQ, he hasn't had to apply it in, in those, in those games, um, you know, on, on that test level. But if, if he's the kind of, kind of guy you want to take into the world cup for all those other reasons we talked about, I guess now would be the time to, to get him that experience. I haven't looked at it closely enough to say who's going to get in, who's going to be out. But I'll tell you right now, they better find a way to scrummage. Yeah. Because, and this is a, a massive summer because, not not massive, but it's, a, it's an important summer in that two of the games are against teams that we're playing in the, in the World Cup. I believe that Scotland will not have their Glasgow players, which will be their most of their top guys. So, really good opportunity to get a scalp there. Well, they have 10-12 Glasgow Warriors named on the 27-man roster to come over. They don't yeah. have them. They're going to be struggling to make a 23-man squad. Yeah, I don't – I don't like I said, I heard that today and not on – not on great authority. Uh, it was overseas authority, but not not um, not full authority. I, I was a little bit shocked. And Glasgow had played, you know, relatively well in the Rabo Direct. So you know, I, I don't. But whatever. Scotland's a scout we can get. Japan is a scout we can get, and Canada is our northern neighbor, and they should be a scout that we want. So, again, I think it's very similar to last summer where 3-0 and is the goal. It's certainly possible. We are capable of it. But as Pat said last summer, 0-3 is possible as well. So what are we going to do to make ourselves 3-0? and And that's the, that's the biggest thing. Are we going to do what we need to do? To be 3-0. Are we going to play the game we need to play? Are we going to do the basics well? Basics just scrum, line out, restart defense. Controlling the contact area and controlling the territory. Um, it's difficult because we don't have a particularly strong kicking game. So you're going to have to control it through set piece, driving malls, playing off the front foot, kicking off the front foot. And those are difficult to do if you can't win your scrums and lineouts. <clears throat> and we have a great lineout, but we have to be more accurate in our throws. Because in November, I think that we could have been slightly more effective in our lineout had some of the throws been more accurate. Not November, the um, Uruguay. Yep, against the Uruguay was a big that was that was an issue, and again, we're looking at a team that did get to play some in March, and I think that was good for them in terms of unity. But it was also a team that didn't really catch fire in those games until the last twenty minutes of the second game. And we'll see. You know, are we going to ease into it, or are we going to hit the ground running? Uh, I think that's uh, an issue. We're gonna we're, we're gonna break that down uh, a lot more as time goes on, and we'll probably I think next show we do want to take a quick look at uh, the the club rugby and what's developing um, on the high end on the club rugby. But I think that should probably do it for this show.
Uh, we're th grateful to Irish Rugby Tours for uh, helping us get the show on the air. And uh, this is Alex Goff saying, check out Rugga Matrix International on RuggaMatrix.com and also the Rugga Matrix America show. You can so this is Alex Goff from nowhere in particular uh, with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. Thanking you for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Mm -hmm.